Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined with Steve Wasak. Steve is an incredible entrepreneur, um, founder, and he's going to be telling us a little bit about what he is currently building. Thanks so, so much for coming on the show today with us, Steve. Hey, Jaden, thanks so much for having me. Would you mind telling everyone a little bit about your background and about your company? Yeah, I think I have a, a little bit of a strange background for a tech founder. I, I was actually in my third year of law school at Northwestern when I had this idea for uh, sort of like fantasy sports newsletter, Okay, um, which I thought we could do sort of using automated technology. And I started working on it like in my free time. And I quickly sort of realized, hey, like this basic technology could be used for all sorts of applications, like finance or medicine. Anytime you have a big data set, that's complicated and people will sort of want a synthesis, like a quick update of what's going on, uh, we could use this technology. So instead of you know, becoming a lawyer, I raised a little bit of money and started this company called InfoSentience back in 2012. Okay. And yeah, so that's my background. It's like, and I, I just took computer programming in high school uh, okay. and just kind of kept up on it a little bit, but it's more the, what, what I'm doing or what the company's been doing is pretty brand new. So there's not like, oh, I missed this class in comp sci, you know, when mm -hmm. I was going to school there. It's like, there is no class on it. You're all just, you're just kind of making up stuff. And it's all based off of logic and narratives and things like that, that actually my background, which is I, I had like an English degree undergrad and then a lot of okay. It's like, hey, it's like you, I think it's the combination of like English stuff logical thinking and then like the actual computer technology stuff it's like all three of those so it's like i had a background in two and so i don't feel like i necessarily missed out like if i would you know just done comp sci or something i feel like i would have missed out on some difficult things like that you have to deal with like in terms of like just having good writing you know what i mean so yeah i think um it's a it's a little bit of a different background but for what i'm doing what the company's been doing it's kind of just as good as any anything else yeah for sure well that's really interesting so, you know, coming to the, the present day now, you're running InfoSentience. Would you mind telling everyone a little bit about the core problem that you're solving for InfoSentience, how AI plays into that and kind of what you're doing? Yeah, I think the core problem is just data overwhelm, right? Like, so we've had all these tools that have grown that have allowed people to store so much more data than we ever had before, but the tools to analyze that data haven't necessarily kept pace. So there's tons of companies, organizations out there that have tremendous amount of data. Sometimes it's in different silos. Sometimes it's in different formats, but they'd love to get analysis of that, especially analysis at scale. So as an example, you know, our first product was, was in the fantasy sports space, which is something that we still do for CBS sports. And for people who are unfamiliar with fantasy sports, it kind of works like a stock portfolio. You sort of pick a group of players that you think are going to be better than some other group of players, but every single person's portfolio is unique, mm -hmm. right? And has millions of players so you can't cover that with human beings right like right it's, it's impossible so that's a situation where our software comes into play looks at all the data tries to figure out what's most interesting and then writes up a report that's like reads just like a human being wrote it that's compelling that offers insight that's different from week to week uh just like you know you would get if you had a, a human being just covering your fantasy sports league very cool. So that's, yeah, so that's what was our first product, but all of our other products are similar, right? Where it's mm. just like, people have a lot of data. Like we have, we, we work with the Chicago Mercantile Exchange to analyze all their commodity data. We work with medical companies, 
uh, retail companies, right? Where it's like, you've got a hundred products that are out, right? And they're all moving every single day, right? And they're, they could all be distilled down to different uh, regions or different product groups or like different, there's different metrics, right? It's not just sales, it's like mm-hmm. returns and dis- discounts and all sorts of things, right? So you have all these metrics of all these products moving every single day. And the question is, how do you get a handle on that, right? And right now, mm-hmm. the answer is typically, oh, okay, at the end of the month, we kind of talk about it, or maybe we meet with certain teams once a week. Right. Our system, it's like, all right, do you want a daily report? Do you want it updated every hour? Do you want it focused on a particular, cool. particular top, whatever breakdown you want? Like, I want a report on, you know, the US, West region, these types of products over the last three days. Give me that report, like, distilled, right? Like, the most mm-hmm. important thing in that information because you can kind of do some of that with pivot tables yeah but that is it's not going to give you the context right it's not going to say like oh here's exactly what was driving it or here's how it fits Mm -hmm. into you know the last month or the last year or like what changed in this three days that's like making this difference so that's all the type of stuff that a good human analyst can do and we can impart all that intelligence into our software so that it basically can work the same way very cool so how does you know, AI play a role in what you guys are doing today or what you guys plan on doing in the future? Honestly, we, we took a different tack than I think most companies did when, when we started. Um, and certainly most companies now, which like everything is like LLMs, right? So we don't use LLMs. Okay. Our system is non, non-probabilistic. We use what we call conceptual automata, which is basically taking all the events that a human analyst would look at and mm-hmm. breaking them down into their subcomponents and then putting the intelligence as like the modeling sort of intelligence on those subcomponents. And mm-hmm. then they have sort of the ability to self-assemble into a larger narrative. So I'll give you an example. You know, first from sports, for instance, like you have the concept of a team, mm-hmm. right? And you can put a bunch of intelligence and sort of modeling and hierarchy stuff information on that. And then you have the concept of a team winning a game, mm-hmm. right? That's like an event. And then you have a concept of a streak, right? Which could be for sports or it could be anything else. It's really just like an event taking place again and again over time. Well, you can put all those together and now you have like a team on a winning streak, right? But like when you assemble those together, that grouping now has all the, can grab all the like intelligence that's on just like the concept of a streak. Like for instance, what, what do I, uh, to avoid, let's say repetition, Right. You know, it means like, okay, well, some different team is on a streak or maybe they're on a losing streak. Right. So that's a different concept, but there's still an element of repetition to that. It's like, is that really the best story to follow up? Or you have a situation where if you say, hey, this team's on a losing streak and then the next story is the team team is on a winning streak, you're going to write that up differently. It's like you have to say like, however, or something you might have to have a transition because these are substantively the same story. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's just a very simplified example, but the, the idea is that human beings are really, really good at just adding a bunch of concepts together and seeing how they all interact. But that's something that traditionally computers have not been very good at. Yeah. And the problem is because the number of interactions starts to get really crazy as you, you know, add more and more things together. And so the solution that we found to get around that again is to kind of put the intelligence on the low level mm-hmm. so that all of these things can, you know, you can kind of put it, put it in this big soup of concepts and they can all kind of like communicate with each other, kind of like what neurons would do in, in a human brain. Um, and so that has been sort of what, what we've used traditionally. Now, these LLM tools are obviously like pretty amazing. So um, cool. we're certainly exploring how we can 
integrate some of what we're doing with with LLMs, but obviously they currently right now kind of struggle with data, struggle with right. logical operations. I mean, they can do them, but it's not that they're forte, right? And and some of the things that we're doing, which are really sort of complicated analytics, particularly around, um, let's say, proprietary data, where there's not like a corpus of text that's talking about how this is, you know, being analyzed. That's something where, you know, LLMs, at least as of right now, are not particularly good at, at, uh, at solving problems, right? And they also have like solutions, which you worry yeah. about too, right. debugability. I mean, there's all sorts of things where if you're doing like what we're doing with the CME, where we're taking in 50 gigabytes of data and instantly sort of giving analysis to it, that's like on every single topic. Yeah. Um, that's just not something that LLMs are particularly good at right now. Yeah. And this is so interesting because, you know, of course, I talk to a lot of people uh, integrating AI into their companies and LLMs are kind of the hot thing everyone's talking about and doing right now. This is really interesting um, because, you know, it would appear that you're you're doing this in a little bit of a, a unique approach to other people. I, I wonder, is this because when you kind of started, right, you, you said you got this company kicked off back in 2012. This is because when you started, I mean, obviously LLMs weren't uh, kind of this big thing. It, it wasn't this possibility. So do you see um, that shifting a lot for you in the future? Or do you think, you know, this kind of current approach that you have is one that's going to be the winner long term, right? Other companies might be looking at this, they're, they're debating, like, should we come up with something more like what you've done? Or should we come up with something that's more uh, LLM focused? Where do you kind of see this going in the future? I don't know. I mean, I think emerging is is probably the right way to do it like between the two technologies that's what we're trying to do because i think that there are pretty clear strengths and weaknesses of both of them i mean in the long term who knows you know what i mean like it's like the the llms are so, so some of the things that they do are so extraordinary and so indicative of like really high level intelligence and i feel like so much money is getting poured into them so were they yeah well, some means there are there's going to be improvements inevitably eventually so yeah so i mean i think you know maybe 10 years from now it's all LLMs, right? Like between yeah. the efficiency and the, but 10 years is a long time. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's like, and the other thing is the way that we really see our technology is, is if we're partnering with a, with a client or, you know, potentially maybe if we were ever to get bought out or something, it's like, we, we do view our technology as a really big accelerant, right? So it's yeah. like, we, we can do some things right now that LLMs can't do. So even eventually if like, let's say we got bought out and then six years from now or something like our technology isn't being used anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like the fact that we were able to provide that service, right. For these clients, right. Cause there's so many things beyond the LLMs. It's just like, right. Pulling down data. Are you trustworthy? Like, do we, you know, like, do we think that you're a good person to work with? And, 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 and you've sort of like figured out like the, the things that are particular to our use case that are really valuable and how to deliver it and all these other things that like are not necessarily really going to be working with LLMs. Like just the pure data analysis part of it is only a subcomponent. Yeah. And so we do think that regardless of whether our technology is like going to be used in the long term, it's like it can definitely do things that LLMs can't do right now. And so we're trying to just build up that client list and build up those relationships, right? With different companies in a bunch of different verticals to say like, look, at least right now, this is the technology. And as the LLMs get better, you know, we intend on incorporating that as much as we can. Right. And um, because, of, yeah, so so exactly how they're merged, I don't know, we're still like early on in that. Right. Yeah. We do think that like using our technology and LLMs, we definitely think that there's a, a space for it. 
Yeah, and I also think that you know what you're doing is is quite uh, is is quite good because obviously there's a lot of people right now that are struggling with the whole data aspect of the LLMs. Um, you know, there's there's different workarounds or there's plugins where people are trying to integrate things to help their LLMs do better with data or math or other things. But like, it's not you know the core yeah. competency of ChatGPT, for example. Um, and so you know, having this built out your own way is uh, is a really good move. What would you say is one of the hardest challenges that you guys have kind of overcome or are, you know, grapple with in, in this whole business and industry? I think just the, the specificity of data, you know, I mean, this is something that companies deal with all the time where it's even internally, right. Where it's hard to even within an organization have the same types of data, the same consistency of, um, of data, right? Where it's like, so this organization does this or this organization does that. Or then also like Debbie in accounting has the, her spreadsheet where she does this one cup subcomponent. And so for our system, which is all based off of structured data, ultimately, right, we have to ingest it and, um, do so in a way that's, that's pretty consistent. And so a lot of times what happens too, because, because our system is really good at, at essentially finding unique pieces of information and, and like, and, and essentially like we might have 200 different modules of, of analytics that are being run. It's like, they're all run at the same time. And so what ends up happening a lot of times when we work with a company is that we'll find the errors in their data or like the missing parts of their data, right. Which they weren't even aware of because he right. was even looking at it. Right? right. Now that we're doing a deep dive, you know, it's like, oh, do you know that this actually, you know, nobody puts a date, you know, for this data here. So you can't actually put it into like a time series. A lot of things like that are really difficult. So a lot of times we'll, we'll talk with a company and we'll come up with like a plan. And then a lot of times once we actually get into the data, it's a lot more complicated. And and then some some of those things you can fix by having better data, but other things it requires us to really put in a lot of effort to have the near the, the, like the analytics side of the engine being much more flexible, right. To take into account like, Oh, okay, sure. There's these 10 things, but some of them are going to be weighted really differently or so, you know, it's like all these things yeah. that are again for human beings, it's not that hard, but like when you get into a piece of software, have having this type of human analyst type flexibility being like, Oh yeah, that's the way it is 90% of the time. But then this other 10% of the time you kind of have to flip how you're viewing, you know, these right. 10 products or something, or this is like, this is Christmas time. So actually like these numbers are very different during this time only. And, and, mm -hmm. or we do this, this is our year end, something, something, whatever it is. <clears throat> a lot of times there's these little quirks in the data that if you're going to have a really solid narrative that people can really use, you're going to have to take all these little quirks into account. Yeah. That uh, does sound like a challenge. Um, tell me about what you're thinking is from from kind of a, a broad a, a high level right there's a lot of people obviously this is something that for i would say for the mainstream is a is a kind of a new concern right as of ChatGPT as of this year but obviously the the issue is has been around for 10 years there's a lot of people that are very concerned like you know ai for example is going to take the job of a data analyst um you know some sort of software technology uh that you're building is going to you know take someone's job what what is your what are your, what's your thinking? What's your response to, to people that might have some sort of concerns in this area? I mean, definitely the software we have right now is not going to take over everybody's job. Um, again, like an LLM that can really just analyze any data set just sort of spontaneously and no matter the size and come up with narratives and visualizations and everything. I mean, that's 
at some point, yeah, that maybe probably does cause a lot of problems. I mean, I would just say like what we do right now, for instance, with CBS, where we actually write articles on the NBA, the NFLs, you know, all these different live sports leagues, right? Which, huh. um, but they haven't really taken over any human jobs. It's more just like they're still writing like the preview for the Super Bowl, for instance. Like it's huh. not being done by our system, right? Like, but, you know, some random, you know, mid-Atlantic conference basketball game on Tuesday, it's like, well, they didn't have a reporter that was writing a bunch of content about that game. Right. Right. So it's like, we're sort of filling in the gaps, I guess, to a little extent, like they've relied on our system to cover games that they might've had a human being cover a little bit. But I think the reporters in general are very happy to be doing something that's not like as rote repetition. Right. Right. They're, right. they're then doing stuff about like some interesting off season trade or some sort of interesting statistical pattern or some sort of thing with the coaching or, you know, something that's, that's more unique than just like, here's the 500th preview of a basketball game that I've had to write this month. So at least right now where we sit in the value chain, like we're not, you know, we're not necessarily taking over from what analysts do. And even, even in like the business analytics side of things, like if it's like a quarterly report, like we're not going to do as good of a job as somebody who that's their whole thing is they just look at your company's data and they know everything that's going on. Right. Like, so that's not what we try to compete with. It's more just like, all right, but if you want a daily report that's going out to all of your salespeople and you have 300 salespeople, like that's just not going to happen with mm -hmm. human analysts. Right. But they might really have a lot of benefit from seeing like the different insights, right. That we can pull through mm -hmm. and deliver something specific for each person. Right. And so that's really where we see the value proposition of our technology. And I don't think, at least at this point, that that's something that's actually displacing existing human data. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. So, you know, talking about, you know, you have kind of like some some automated articles and stuff generated talking about different um, different basketball games or different sports leagues or, or different areas that, you know, there, there's probably just not enough firepower or bandwidth for a certain organization to cover, right? How do you kind of handle the challenge of keeping this AI-generated content, for example, engaging and not sounding mm -hmm. too robotic? Yes. I mean, that's a great question. And uh, I think we do a much better job than our competition in this area because we don't use like templates, right? Or Mad what I call like the Mad Libs approach, which is just okay. like, hey, here's a narrative. We're going to fill it in with like these basic details. Right. And it, it becomes pretty obvious when you're reading that, that you, that's what you're reading. Like, even though there's no like, grammatical errors and it's like it kind of reads fine but it's just like there's an aspect to it that's so rote and basic that you pick up on it really quick and it's and it feels boring um and using our system of conceptual automata where we have all these little pieces basically what we do is we tell the system hey figure out every single interesting thing that happened like in like in a sports game okay but okay. there's might be like hundreds of things right okay. and you kind of like rank order them and then give them the ability to sort of sort themselves out so, so that you can get the unique things that happen. Because in a template, the problem is you had to put in the template all the, the things that are bound to happen. Right. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. There was a best player. And here's who they play next week, right? Like it's all this basic stuff. Uh -huh. But you're not going to put in like, oh, this is like a wild comeback and here's what happened. And, you know, all these different things are like, man, like this, you know, this team had won four straight in a row against this team, but now they came back and this is the first time. Well, all these different, like yeah. all the unique things are the things that are actually interesting. Yeah. Right? And so that's where if you have flexibility, you can surface those things, right? In such a way that 
because that's what people respond to, right? And so they 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 can, um, you know, they can really pick up on that. I think very quickly. That's that's super interesting and that's super smart. Again, uh, just coming up with the most interesting things and doing the ranking system and having that in there. Um, yeah, people definitely pick up. Nobody likes a template. No one likes it to sound too robotic. Um, and so, like, people will still really enjoy consuming that. So that's that's very interesting, and they'll get great insights out of it as well. Yeah. What what industries or sectors do you see benefiting the most from your technology that you're currently building? Whether that's one you're currently working on or some an area you see in the future. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, somebody can tell me. I, I mean, we're in a lot of verticals right now, and it's really hard to say. It's really hard to say because it, it, it's hard for us. This is another challenge that we face as a company is that we can look at industries or companies from outside and kind of have a guess of what data they might have. But it, but the reporting needs are definitely diff diff different, right? Like it's like, do you really need a daily report? Do you really need a report for all your salespeople every single day or every single week? That's where it's really difficult to know, you know, exactly mm -hmm. When, when we can really have a value proposition that helps people is, is tricky to know from the outside. So our, our approach is kind of just scattershot of just like, all right, well, let's just talk to anybody. Um, and we have, you know, we have multiple companies in the finance vertical. We, we work, we have, you know, a medical client, we have a retail client, we have a marketing client, we have, um, you know, journalists like CBS and some other folks, actually multiple folks in, in that space. So we just try to kind of talk to, talk to people and uh because we don't uh, we don't know the answer to that question honestly yeah. like what would be like the best i don't know yeah well i mean it, i think it's applicable in a lot of different areas but talk to me about a couple different like case studies or success stories um i mean even just for people listening to this to kind of conceptualize some of the areas that you're you're making some of this innovation so like in finance for example what's you know what are people using this for in finance um well, the, the big thing that we're do, using this for is with the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, which we we were doing sort of a, a demo product with them for a yeah. while, uh, uh, summarizing some different commodities in the agricultural space. Yeah, uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange is the the largest commodities trading firm in the world, so they do options and futures contracts around you know like soybeans and gold and interest rates, everything like you can kind of just like bet on it essentially. Okay, and. Um, what we're going to be doing for them, though, is something I think really cool, which is basically taking all their commodity data and turning it into an always live, always correct web page okay. that's, uh, that's basically looks like a sort of Yahoo Finance or Bloomberg uh, uh, web page, but everything is automatic. So everything that you see is like always up to date. So it's like you're seeing headlines and pictures and videos and narratives and everything on every single topic within the CME, but it's, it's always sort of now, right. Or at least radical live. You're always seeing everything there that's now. And if something, for instance, if a commodity goes way up and then it goes back down and now it's just back to, to even, right. It's like, maybe that story disappears off the front page, mm -hmm. right. Because that's not the story, right. Which right. is not what happens on traditional normal yeah, it's like you have a yeah. crawl and like something's there and maybe it's hard to kind of say like, oh, this is what's happening with this stock because by the time somebody reads it, it might be something different, right? Uh, so that is actually yeah. very innovative and I absolutely, yeah. because I definitely hate clicking on like a, a an article that was like this incredible thing happened and then you go check out the stock or whatever and it's like back to, back and to not, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, but see, now it's a different story, though, because now it's like, hey, it was up and now it gave back all its gains, right? Like, so it might still be on the front page, but it's like the up-to-date version yeah. of that. And so I think that it's, 
And, and because we're providing so much content, one of the things that we're going to be able to do is what we call like this dive, uh, deep dive technology, which is like anything that you're looking at, you can kind of be like, oh, that's interesting. Give me more information just on that. And they'll like take you to like a new article that's just like focused on that particular topic. So I think that that'll be pretty cool. Um, yeah, you know, the thing we, we, we've done with CBS, which is our longest client, uh, you know, the fantasy sports, people really love it because they get this customized insight and those, uh, they get like an email every week. And those are like the highest open rate emails that CBS, you know, has of any email that they send out. Mm -hmm. Um, because people were like, it's, it's just different because they're getting something that's just for that, right? Like nobody else is reading this. It's just, yeah, it's this whole article. It's like 300 words with pictures and and highlights all such a possible a single person could service no, those no, no. customers with something custom. So yeah, that is really amazing. Yeah. So that's, I, I mean, I think that the, the power of customization and again, this power of getting away from the robotic sounding template stuff, it's like when, when something, when you can write something that really speaks to somebody and really gives them the information that they want to hear, that's unique to them, right? It's like, it's really powerful. And so like a lot of our, of our customers have, have experienced that and, um, and it's been, it's been fun to build. That's really interesting. What about, I think you mentioned like healthcare. What, how are you seeing this in, in like the healthcare space? Our healthcare stuff is pretty early on. I mean, the only client that we currently have um, is IU Health, which is, which is like the largest uh, hospital group here in Indiana. Um, but basically what we do for them is automated doctor bios. So they have bio, biographies for their doctors, but you know, there's, there's thousands of them. They're constantly coming and going. The data behind their bios is changing, right? Like they might change locations or specialties or all sorts of things. Um, and so what our system does is it takes all of their information, like their education, you know, whether they speak different languages. And also one of the really cool things it does is like actually synthesizes patient reviews, right? So we like pull out some of like the key things and also uh, include some uh, like curated examples of of new patient reviews, which is good for SEO, right? Cause the articles mm -hmm. kind of changing and updating. And so it's just been a way for them to, uh, really save a lot of time. And actually a lot of times they just didn't even have a bio for doctors, which is not good. Um, people like to, to read something about like mm -hmm. a summary of who this doctor is and the medical history. And if they have like publications, like it can include that. So it's pretty flexible. Um, but we have a, I mean, we'd love to be able to do more stuff in, in, in the medical space, but it's tricky because of all the patient protections and obviously the the um it's very important to be correct right yeah, so if they can if you're doing like actual like diagnosis stuff so um so it's a little bit harder to to break into and we've had some good conversations but we haven't really done as much as we'd like to do in that space but um uh, hopefully in the future we can do more so that yeah that is, that is interesting and definitely there's some nuances and challenges in that industry for sure i think a lot of people are grappling with those right now so nothing unique to you um i so i saw i, I believe it's on your website there's a spot the bot challenge yeah, thing. yeah 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 um what, what kind of inspired that what's been the feedback from users on that i i, I, I mean all everyone that's listening what what that is yeah basically we just took a couple of of uh, data sets that and and looked at okay here's what a human being wrote up on this particular data set and here's what our system did right using actually uh, a finance example and like a i think it was like a new york giants game or something like that where it's like here's the ap report and here's our what we wrote for cbs and um yeah i think you know we just started doing that at like trade shows kind of we were just we just actually printed out as like kind of a game just to get okay. to come over and then it was like oh we should put this up on the website and it's fun because people always 
a lot of people comment on they're like i failed or something you know like they said i didn't get it right um and so it, it's it's nice because it really does bring home this idea of like hey this is it, it's it feels real you know what yeah. i mean like and, and again it, this it comes from picking up on some pretty subtle things in terms of like the structure of the narrative and the, the sort of uniqueness of what it's talking about and it allows it to kind of uh hopefully in a quick, a very quick, easy way, get people to understand the the difference between what we do and, and maybe some of our simplistic solutions out there. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Um, so how many people are currently on your team? Uh, just five. We're small. Okay. That's awesome. A lean team. And you've yeah. been going for, you know, the, the company's over 10 years old now, right? Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. Um, what has been, yeah, how has that been in the process of kind of growing and scaling the team from early on? Were you the original like developer on this? Did you bring people on? How, how has that been? Yeah, I was the original developer and then I brought in just one other person and it was just that for, for quite a while. Uh, we've had a really sort of weird journey because we started off, we got CBS as a client right away, which was sort of a miracle. I don't know <laughs> how the heck that happened looking back on it, but it happened and about like a year in, we had launched, and I think we had proven out our technology to be really good, uh-huh. uh, and and I would say industry leading in certain ways. But I had this idea for like a better version, uh-huh. which I thought would take like six months, uh-huh. and it took eight years. <laughs> and that is classic uh, yes. development problem. <laughs> yes, and the whole time I thought I was like almost done. So it wasn't just like, oh, if I knew in advance it was going to take eight years, like I could kind of plan ahead. But like, I always thought I was like almost there, you know, and then I'd have to like restart over from scratch. And so cost, we didn't do a really, we would, we didn't try that hard to expand the company. Like we got some yeah. clients haphazardly, but we didn't, we didn't want to make a big push because it was like, well, we got this new technology. So like we want to build every, like the new clients on the new tech stack, which is like almost done. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. let's just wait three months. Right. Um, so it was just like that for a long time, but like, thankfully about, you know, a year and a half ago or so, we really got the text to do everything that we ever wanted it to do, which was great. Um, eighth time's a charm. Like almost, it it literally was like almost every single year we started over from scratch. Oh my God. Um, but we got it working now. And, um, so yeah, so then we've kind of shifted into trying to be like a real company as opposed to just like a research project disguised as a company, which is what we were for a long time. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so now we, yeah, we tried to I- expand, but that's kind of like why, you know, we, we haven't grown as much, but honestly, I mean, like with the team that we have right now, I mean, we could probably double our revenue before we'd hire another person. I mean, like, cause we're still like, even with the team we have right now, we're still doing a lot of kind of porting over some of our own, like porting over some of our old products onto the new system, mm-hmm. things like that. Like we have a lot of a pretty good amount of slack in terms of like, even with the five people, cause the tech is really good. Like it, it mm-hmm. allows us to build really fast. Uh, and, um, and we just have all of our backend systems in place. Like the ability to like do this, the scale, you know, spool of instances on the cloud, like debug it, make sure that we're, uh, delivering what we what we're supposed to be delivering. Like all those procedures are pretty central. So it's like, we're, we're in a good spot to, to grow even more. That's really exciting. Um, talk to me about, so I know at the very beginning you said you, you wanted to get the company kicked off. So you went and got some investors. Was that your only round of funding? Have you done multiple rounds of funding as you've been growing? No, that's it. Like it was just like a small friends and family round and that got us 
where we need to be because we got CBS like right off the bat. I mean, I didn't know what I was, I still don't know what I'm doing, but like, I didn't know how funding works. Like, I mean, I gave away like an absurd amount of the company, like for like not a lot of money. Cause I didn't know anything. Yeah. And uh, so, so thankfully, you know, we've been able to just sort of, uh, bootstrap since then and we're, and we're profitable now. We're not looking to, I mean, we couldn't, like I said, it's like we could double our business with our current, with what we have. So it's, it's, we don't need to, uh, raise any money for anything. That's super cool. That's, that's amazing. And honestly, a really good place, uh, talking to a lot of people, those lean teams are sometimes the, it's the most powerful way to do it. And, um, how has it been for you? So are you like, would you call yourself like the CTO as well? Like, uh, are you doing the main development? So how has it been kind of being C CTO, CEO, like, like kind of being wearing all the shoes in this? I mean, uh, you know, as probably as you'd expect it to be, it's a little crazy. And obviously you feel the the limitations to like, like your own limitations, right? Like I, you know, I like to think I'm okay at, at doing, wearing a few different hats, but like, you're never going to be as good as somebody who like, that's what they do, right. Is like sales or they do marketing or anything else. So, um, it's definitely been a learning process, right? Like, and you can, the scary thing is like, I look back on what I knew, let's say five years ago. And I'm just yeah. like, man, like, I didn't know anything like, mm -hmm. and I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my whole life. So this is like, I, I've pretty much just been an entrepreneur for like 20 years straight. And like, even five years ago, it's like 15 years into the process. Like I didn't know anything. Right. And now it's like, well, I feel like I know a lot more, but it's also scary. Cause it's like, well, yeah, but like maybe five years from now, you'll be looking back and be like, my goodness, like how stupid can you be about X, Y, Z? So it's like, it's cool to feel like you're growing, but then it's also nerve-wracking to be like well I'm, I'm sure i'm just as ignorant about like lots of different things right now mm -hmm. and and obviously the more hats you wear like the more things you're going to be a rookie right doing so i don't know I, it, we, we're still here we're in business we're profitable we're growing but like every, every day is an adventure yeah it's a in, little different kind of in that line of thinking right um just in crazy incredible learning curves and like even looking back five years you see how much you've come what's a piece of advice that you could give to um you know founders today that are working on an ai startup that are working on a on a company uh what, what's a piece of advice you might be able to give them i mean it's pretty probably pretty generic but just like customer focused like start with the problem mm -hmm. as much as you can i mean i, I i'm like I like technology. So like, I definitely get caught up in like, Oh, wouldn't this be cool? And it's like, yeah, it's cool. But like, does it actually, is it going to drive value? Is it going to be easy to scale? Is it going to be, you know, all these different things. Right. So yeah, I, I think, especially if you're a first time entrepreneur, like start with a really small problem and, and especially something where if, if it could be like niche, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I remember this one guy who I knew he was working as like a, just like a, just on spec for some project and he built this like uh some sort of system for like people who run dog kennels right okay and it was just like built it up for this guy who is who'd been an entrepreneur before and like he you know he was just hired to do it i think he did in like six months and then this company was worth like it was getting offers of like three or four million dollars you know like to do dog like because it's just like yeah, nobody else was doing it. And so like they were able to just take over the market because they had this this specific expertise, right? In this one, this person who started it was like, I know for a fact that people need it. They probably did like some pre-sales or a lot of talking to folks. 
but I think that, um, that's definitely, that, that's, that's the, one of the big mistakes I made. I, I didn't even have a client when I started this company, mm -hmm. you know, I just was like, oh, this is cool tech, you know? And like, like I said, it was sort of a miracle that, that we got not only a client, but like CBS is a huge client. Right. And so, you know, don't rely on that miracle, right? Like you've got to try to, um, again, yeah, figure out exactly the problem that you're going to solve, which I know this is all pretty trite advice, but it, I, it's, it's common advice because it's so important, I would say. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, I do think that is really spot on. That is really, um, that is really powerful. So if people want to uh, be able to contact you or they want to learn more about your company, perhaps they want to try it out, implement it, where yeah. can they find you? I mean, you can go to our website, infosentience.com. Um, that's, uh, I know it's a weird name. It's just uh, I-N-F-O-S-E-N-T-I-E-N-C-E. -E. And um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Those okay. are really kind of our only two places. But uh, but yeah, you could look us up and uh, send us an email or request a demo. We have a really cool demo. Like we've shown it to, uh, I don't know, probably 60, 70 people. And the response is pretty mind-blowing. That's one of the things we're super excited about with the CME thing is a lot of this technology that we've developed that's sort of behind the scenes. People are going to be able to see it firsthand and just how like flexible and interactive it is. Um, so we're excited about that. But yeah, but if you have the chance to to see the demo, uh, I would I would recommend it. It's it's it has not disappointed so far. People have been pretty blown away by it, and you're going to see things that nobody else is doing. I've asked every single person that I've shown the demo to, "Have you ever seen anything like this?" And they all said no. Like all, I don't know how many it is now. It's like 60, 70, something like that. So. If you want to see some cool AI tech uh, in this like data generative AI space, then yeah, uh, sign up for a demo and be happy to show it to you. Super exciting. I bet you uh, will be contacted a lot. Honestly, this is something that um, is really exciting to me because it's not just a wrapper on top of OpenAI. This isn't just, a, you know, an API. To, like you built something very unique and uh, in a very unique way. So very big kudos to you. Honestly, I know you probably are like, you know, it's about time because you worked on this thing for eight years and it was always six months away. But yeah. uh, I think, you know, now is the time where AI is really taking off. Um, so I think you'll be rewarded with some pretty exciting growth on the company um, with such a really cool product. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast today with us, Steve. Um, and for listeners, thanks so much for listening to the AI Chat Podcast. I'll drop links in the description of the show to uh, Steve and to his company um, where you can find out more about that. But otherwise, have an amazing rest of your day.